Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Ed. This is Kevin. And we come to you on the brink of college football uh, kickoff for UCLA. We're, what, three days away? Yeah, this is the end of the dog days of the summer, right? When uh, all, <laughs> all, all, most sports right now besides baseball are basically, they're, they're all in their off seasons. And college football is kind of the signal of the start of fall. Uh, it's, a, it's a great week. I, I've always loved this week, no matter kind of how you feel about the upcoming seasons. Yeah, and it, the sports technically kicked off. We had a very uh, exciting game with Northwestern and Nebraska last week. That's right, week zero. Um, week zero, uh, Scott Frost uh, shit the bed, and a very similar to Chip Kelly kind of trajectory with his career, but that's a different story. Oh, I wouldn't um, put that on Chip Kelly. Well, I, I think the parallels... I'm not putting that on Chip Kelly. What I'm saying is that the parallels are... Similar. I'm saying I wouldn't put the parallels on Chip Kelly. I mean, Scott, Scott Frost... Uh, I mean, that, that, that game was just such a typical Nebraska game. Um, you know, if you've watched the Big Ten over the last few years, that's, that's exactly how they lose all their games. They, they play close. They maybe even take a lead. They make some weird boneheaded coaching decision. I don't know what they were thinking with that onside kick last week, up 11. Um, and then throw, make, turn the ball over, and lo and behold, they end up losing the game. And they do this against every team they play. So, uh, yeah. Even the great Chip oh, Kelly yeah. can't do that. No, that's, that's fair. I'm just thinking about, you know, Frost came into Nebraska, who was also a big target for us in that same uh, – coaching carousel by the way frost came in everyone was you know kind of hyped he was this big up and coming kind of name uh and he really hasn't lived up to expectations at all so similar to chip kelly in that sense right in that sense yes yeah yeah uh also from the same coaching tree so that's uh interesting but anyways we are here to talk about ucla not scott frost uh, how are you feeling going into this season right now? I think we're going to do a, a game or a, a season prediction and give you a little bit of a game preview, but how, how are you feeling on this, this Wednesday morning? You know, on this Wednesday morning, I I don't want to say cautiously optimistic. I, I think we got a chance to have a good team this year. Uh, primarily because, look, to state the obvious, we have the biggest luxury in college football, which is a fifth-year experienced quarterback who's played well and a superstar running back alongside him with some skill talent, which hasn't played, but should be very good. So I think we have the tools to have a very good team. Uh, You know, I'm I'm sure we're going to get to this a lot, but I, I really I think this comes down to Two things, but the main thing is how much improvement are we going to show on defense? And the, out of camp, it looks like you know the Murphy twins have lived up, lived up to their billing. Uh, there's hope that our edge rushing is going to be much better than it's been. Uh, Darius Masao has shown a lot of promise. The linebackers, the starting ones at least, you know, if you listen to the coaches, they think that there's some good promise there. And then the secondary, this is the one that consistently keeps getting praise from Chip uh, and and the coaching staff because of the measurables. So if you just go based on that, uh, it looks like on defense, the pieces are there to make a big step from last year. 
just from a schematic standpoint as well as a personnel standpoint. Now, how that actually translates, I think, is going to go a long way to determining what our season is. Are we actually going to be conference title contenders here? Which, I mean, at this point, a year five and a coach, it's not unrealistic to expect. Or are we going to be a team that's just going to be hoping to get the nine-win trophy? Uh, that, that, I think, is really, really what's going to determine it. And then the obvious one we always talk about is our offensive line. I think we've settled on our starters. Um, these early games against Cupcake State, I think it's going to do some, some good to see how the tackles uh, have progressed and how they look. Because behind them, um, you know, if you look at the depth chart that was released, uh, it was an interesting depth chart and a lot of unproven there. Maybe they get some run against Cupcake State as well. Uh, we'll, we'll see. This season feels a little bittersweet um, to me, only because of this. Even if we have an excellent season, even if we win 10-plus games, it feels so short-lived because for anybody who is actually following what's going on with the program, with recruiting, um, the overall long-term trajectory does not seem super rosy. So knowing that, it feels just so bittersweet to think about, hey, we might have a really great season this year, but it might be the only very good season in a very long time. Uh, so with that that kind of sitting in the back of my head, it kind of taints. There's no the question. Season. It, it's just, it is what it is, and it sucks to think that. And that's not fair to the, this group of players. Uh, and it's not fair to to um, the program in general to, to to be treated that way, but but it's just it's what it is right now. I mean that's the state of reality. Um, but uh, that being said, I, I'm I'm hoping for a very good season this year. I will root like hell for these guys. Um, I hope. You know, I've I've done a, a heel turn on on DTR over the last couple of years. You know, I was probably a known DTR hater, but I'm really rooting for him to have a fantastic year. He's he's really turned it around. He's been an excellent player over the last season, season and a half. So uh, excited for him, Charbonnet, the rest of these these guys. I mean, they deserve they deserve to be put in positions of success and I'm hoping this season uh, is fruitful for them so with that perspective I I am really rooting for this team to win big this year you know D um, the, the DTR point that you make I think is uh you, you know there, there are levels to this DTR I think the floor for him is is very is very high this season because he's a fifth year player I think the worst we get is a repeat of what we've gotten the last year and a half but if you look at DTR's career progression I mean he went from a quarterback that was probably bottom of the Pac-12 level to slowly, gradually improving to where last year he was really good. And the question is, like, are, can we take a step from really good to, like, excellent, like, to the point where you're fighting with Caleb Williams to be the top of the Pac-12? Or, you know, are we, are, is, have we found our ceiling? I think that right there uh, might end up being the difference between, again, chasing the nine-win trophy and actually competing for the conference here because – the defense, I think, is only going to go so far, and we are probably going to be a team that is quarterback dependent, and we're going to go as far as DTR takes us. Yeah, I agree. I think DT a lot rests on DTR's uh, in DTR's hands, and it's it might be unfair to him, might be fair. I don't know. People will approach that differently, but that's just 
where we're at. And I think he he will he will be very good. I think he's he, he's shown that career growth every single season. And and you know as a Bruin, I'm proud of him to see him grow and become an accomplished player. And I hope he makes that that next super jump into that conference winning um, and even into like Heisman contention type season. Like that would be awesome. I would be ecstatic for him, but. We'll see, and and let's let going into the season. I think we are set up to to give him something like that. Um, looking at at the season, the the schedule, everything for us is set up in a way that we should win a lot this year. Um, strength of schedule, I think, is very weak for based on a couple of factors. One, we our preseason or non conference games are. Insanely, insanely. Just, just call soft. it the preseason. Just call it the preseason. <laughs> That's what it feels like. It feels like a preseason, like insanely soft. Um, and then on top of that, we have eight home games. With, with those two factors alone, like we should, we should be winning nine plus wins. But we, for me personally, if I'm making a season prediction. I don't know if I can say that confidently, even with that said, even with all the factors of returning talent on offense coming back. I just, I've been too burned over the last couple of years to, to confidently say we will win this many games. Well, I think this is a good segue now into the season preview and the season prediction. Um, just for the sake of time, I'm going to skip over Cupcake State over here. And Cupcake State is our first three weeks. It's Bowling Green, Alabama State, South Alabama. Um, if we're not 3-0, something uh, terrible is happening. If we're not 3-0, we might fire the coach midseason. Uh, but anyways, uh, th- th- those three three games, uh, we're probably going to start 3-0. I think a few things to watch in these games are the play of the tackles, right? Like against inferior competition, the line of scrimmage is usually like the place where that's the most evident. And these should be games where if we, we should be able to run the ball whenever we want, off tackle, inside the tackles, wherever we want to do it, however we want to do it. Um, so the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, I think, are going to be important to watch here for, and could be indicative of what kind of a season we're setting up for. Um, at the same time, if we're really good in those games, I don't think that can be you know too much of a barometer either. So then we get into conference play. We got, like you said, f- we got a total of one, two, three, four, five home games and four games on the road. Colorado, Washington, and Utah to start conference play. I'm going to say that we win a close game at Colorado and then we beat Washington to then go into Utah 5 and 0. And I think Utah's still going to be too much for us. I still think that uh again, the line of scrimmage uh Utah's going to push us around and that's going to be a wake up call uh to to see exactly where we're at. So I'm going to say that we're 5 and 1 then going into the bye week and going to Oregon. This is going to be my first surprise pick of the year of the year. We've played Oregon tough every single year under Chip Kelly. And we have been very unlucky to not beat them the last two times. I think this is the year we do it. I think this year we're going to go to Oregon. Um, they got the new coach, obviously, Dan Lanning, coming over from Georgia. 
And I think this is the kind of game where we're going to be motivated, they're going to have nothing to lose, and we're going to beat Oregon. Only to come back next week and lose to Stanford, I'm going to say, at home. Because, you know, we're going to be all high and mighty and we think our defense is, is all fixed. Uh, but I still don't believe it is. So I'm going to say that, you know, we're going to be 6-2 and two now going into the home stretch. Uh, and then we got Arizona State, who's been just ravaged this offseason. So I think we beat Arizona State. Arizona, I think we beat, all right, USC. This is going to be the fun one. Uh, there are a couple things about USC that I think go a little unsaid. I mean, the, overall, they've brought in so many transfers. I think they're going to be good. Uh, the question is how good. Because of the, the, because of the number of transfers they brought in and Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison and Lincoln Riley and the, all the hype that surrounds the offseason, I feel like anything less than 9-3 and three for USC this season is also going to be a disappointment. And there are a couple things, I think, that go unsaid about the Lincoln Riley hire. Uh, one is that there's this myth that he invented Oklahoma football. Oklahoma went to the college football playoff before Lincoln Riley. They had a Heisman Trophy quarterbacks before Lincoln Riley. They had a culture set in place long before him. He has to start that from scratch here. And the biggest place that he has to do that is on the offensive line, which is where they haven't got as many transfers. They haven't recruited very well. And if you look at Lincoln, Lincoln Riley's trajectory at Oklahoma, every year he got away from Bob Stoops, that offensive line play got worse every single year to the point where last year was bottom line bad. So I think that's a game where, you know, if, if we can get our defensive line in shape and if we can get our rushers in shape, I think we got a shot this year at home with a senior quarterback. We better do it this year, though, because uh, they are recruiting an absolute storm. Uh, it's going to be tough to beat them, I think, in, in the coming years, especially with Caleb Williams as a third-year player next year. So I'm going to say we beat USC, and then we go ahead and – beat Cal to finish off the year. And I think I just predicted a 10-2 and two season. You did. You did predict a 10-2 and two season. Um, I think a large part of that just, not... just just rests on the Oregon game. I, I, I feel like we've played them close for two years now, and I think just, just something's got to give here. Um, you know what? 10-2 doesn't feel right. I, you know what? I, I think we might lose another game that we're not supposed to lose. Um, that is exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. I could see us dropping a game to Washington. I could see us dropping a game to ASU. Like, there, there's a couple of games in there I think that we should win, but I don't know if we will win. And it, again, to your point, it will largely depend on the defense and... I, I, I just, who, who the fuck knows what's going to happen with the defense at this point? I know we have a new coordinator and whatnot, and some of the reviews from camp have been good, but I don't trust it. I just don't. I've been burned too many times by this. And this isn't just a Chip Kelly thing. I think the defense at UCLA has historically been an issue. If you think about, like, even going all the way back to 1998, what what killed us that season was the defense, right? Like, it's just been a weird thing at UCLA where the defense lets us down. And the last time I can think of having good defenses were probably under Jim Mora, and it's been close to a decade now. Um, so I just, I don't know if I can say confidently I trust this defense. 
Um, even with the changes, even with the influx of talent, I just, I'm not going to say it. So I think we are going to drop at least another game, maybe two more, and be somewhere between eight and four and nine and three. Um, you know what? I think that Colorado game, the more I look at it, on the road at Boulder, um, that could be a one that, yeah, I think it's going to be a slugfest either way. And if we win, it's going to be a close game. Um, they're not going to be good either. No, they're not going to be good. The worst part. They're not going to be good. Uh, Arizona State's just been so ravaged that. But, but you know what? Uh, they 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 did light us up last year. Not that it's an indication on this year. Any of these road games, you're right. I mean, they could go the other way. Um, and and you know, I will never predict us losing to SC, so I will not put that in the loss column. But I'm still saying nine and three or eight or four, with that being a win. So yeah, you know <laughs> we're what? Losing something else. I will say that the the highlights of the season is that we will beat SC, and I th- I'm going to say that we shoot our best shot against Oregon and maybe come out with a win. But we will lose to Utah, and we will lose two other games that we are not supposed to lose. I'm telling you, we're losing to Washington and ASU for some reason. I don't know why. I don't feel good about either of those games. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I'll put two possibilities out here. We got then Colorado, Washington, Stanford. The possibility that we lose two of those games and we beat Oregon, or we lose one of those games and we lose to Oregon, and that ends up at nine and three. Overall, you're right. I, I, I went through that whole prediction so gung ho, and then I realized our defense has been terrible. And when you have a defense that bad, you just you can never say with confidence that you're going to win games you're supposed to win. We're not going from just mediocre defense territory into trying to be good or decent. We're going from like just historically bad defense into hopefully somewhat competent defense is the jump we're trying to make here, right? So it's it, it just doesn't feel right to be like, yep, this defense is going to make that jump all of a sudden. Well, I think the depth issues we've been talking about, I think – We've talked a lot about the offensive line, but on defense, I mean, the the front, the, the edge rushers and the defensive linemen, I think to some degree we got a little cover there. We got at least a playable person behind, you know, whoever we, we, we are starting. The linebackers, if any of these guys go down, we're in trouble. <laughs> there, there, there is, there's no other way to say it, um, you know. If any of these guys go down, we are playing people who have either are the redshirt seniors and have never played, uh, or we have extremely young guys who were not very highly recruited, and they're going to be tossed in the fire. So, you know, the linebackers, depth is an issue. Defense overall, the depth is an issue, I would say. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and that goes back to recruiting and – solely uh relying on transfer portal but you know we've we've uh beat that over the head plenty of times over the last few weeks i'm not going to get into it again but yeah i I think ultimately it's going to be depth and defense that's going to hold us back again here if you listen to chip kelly this week because i I listened to him last night you know all the stuff he's saying this week going into the game and you know they're asking him about hey the game's going to be extremely hot 
uh, especially this coming weekend and probably the first few weeks. 102. 102. His response is that, you know, he thinks that we have the depth. He thinks that we plan to play a lot of guys. And I don't know if that's because, you know, and he's not going to say this, but I don't know if that's because it's Bowling Green or he actually legitimately is going to play a lot of guys because he feel like, feels like we need to play a lot of guys. Um, you know, that, 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 that's interesting that he feels that way. Obviously, Chip Kelly's feelings and reality have always been a, an issue here since his time at, at UCLA. But he thinks that he's we have a lot of players that we are going to play. And, again, it'll be interesting to see. Is that because we, we need to play them now because we know they're not ready and we need to get them ready for later? Or we're playing them because like we just plan to do it anyways? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You would never know with him. He's always speaking in semi-riddles. But, I mean, it is it is what it is at this point. There's nothing we can do about it. So it's kind of the, the bed we've made, and that's what we've got to roll with. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting. We're set up for a good season, but I, I just don't think he can survive eight or four, eight and four or nine or three at this point. Nor, nor should he, with with how we've been, how the schedule is set up for us. Like we should not win more, or sorry, we should not win less than ten games here. But I just think we are. We're gonna win less, and I think that's a fireable offense at this point. So I think both or, of us. Or go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. So I think both of us are feeling like it's gonna be a nine and three year. Uh, with the ceiling at ten two. So if it's nine and three, now let's make you know, since we're 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 here already. What's the off season prediction? What happens then? Is there anything different that, that's anything that's gonna change or is nine and three kind of the 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 range of oh well, you know, he won nine games again and the program is an upward tra- trajectory and we can't fire him now. I yeah I see this is tricky because I do think Chip Kelly has a lot of friends in the media, and if we do fire him after a nine and three season, we're gonna look bad in the public eye. We're gonna get slammed on ESPN and all the other TV outlets, and and some people will say, "Fine, who gives a fuck?" And and I kind of agree, but. I do think that hurts our overall brand, overall reputation. It makes it more difficult to hire coaches in the future when there's that narrative out there. It makes it more difficult to recruit. There are tangible repercussions for that narrative to be floating out there in the public, and I do think that Martin Jarman is smart enough to know that and probably wants to avoid having to deal with that perception of the program when a program's already in such a bad way. So I do think that having a 9-3 and three season makes it significantly more difficult to fire him, even though we all know that that's a massive underachievement. Bruin fans should be familiar with this one, too, right? I mean, let's. I still remember the basketball coaching search after we fired Ben Howland. I mean, the, the media birds were out for blood. Uh, oh, UCLA has such high expectations. They fired the coach after they won the Pac-12 and it was largely because Howland was very respected in the coaching community, rightfully so. He was a great coach. Uh, he was very respected in the coaching community. He had a lot of friends in the media. 
And they they came after us in that coaching search. And I still believe that scared away a lot of people. Um, it, it scared away a lot of people from wanting to coach UCLA because that narrative was out there. And so, yes, like we have experienced this before. Um, I agree to hell with it. It's fine. But like there are repercussions here. And Chip Kelly not only has friends in the media, he has a lot of friends in the coaching fraternity. And you bet that those people are going to be looking around too uh, if Chip Kelly gets fired after an 8-4 and four and 9-3 and three season, despite us all knowing what we know. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say that 9-3 and three is going to be the, the realm where I don't think we can make a change unless there is something else that is just really egregious that happens. Sure, there's there's a chance of scandal. I just, I don't, I would hope, to, uh, as much as I dislike Chip Kelly as a coach, I don't think he's like a, a bad dude or doing anything oh, sleazy no. or sketchy. Um, Not at all. But, yeah, stuff can, other stuff can happen. There's external forces. He can make his own change, right? And, and that's the hope, right, is that nine and three or eight or four, he somehow generates enough interest to be able to get another job somewhere. Whether that's in the NFL, which is, I think, his goal still, or college, I don't know. But I just, he's not going to get a head coaching job anywhere. That's the problem. So I just, I don't know if that will happen. I think that might be unrealistic, but one can hope. Well, the season starts this weekend, and this weekend we got our game. It's against Bowling Green. So Bowling Green, what's what's our take for this game this weekend? Bowling Green Falcons um, coming to us from the MAC. We should blow them out. If we have not blown them out, we, there are, it's one of two things. We've either started playing walk-ons and they come back in the fourth quarter to make it somewhat interesting, but still a comfortable win. Or we are shitting the bed. Um, and neither of those scenarios are out of the realm of possibility in my head, which is unfortunate. But um, I, I, I think we should be able to handle business. I think we will. We should be able to, to put up plenty of points on them. They're, they have a lot of question marks around their defense, kind of like us, but... I, I think we should be – the talent gap should be too big here. Um, and that could be probably said about every single one of the next three opponents. But for Bowling Green, I think we win in the realm of like 35 to 14 or 35 to 10. So a couple things about Bowling Green. Um, their run defense was really bad last year. Uh, their pass defense was – ranked uh fairly high and if you read their fans and what they say about that it's for varying reasons it's because you know teams they they were behind so much that teams basically stopped passing and therefore their passing stats uh, looked very good if their run defense is this bad this should be a game where we stick the ball in zach charbonnet's belly and call it a day by halftime um, that's the kind of game that this should be if, again, our offensive tackles and our offensive line is going to be able to generate a push up front, along with the fact that we should be able to get some pretty good run action and 
uh, RPO action off of the run for some pretty big plays. So I think if UCLA wanted to, they could call their shot here. They could probably get to 45 um, if they wanted to. No. Yeah, I agree. The other, I agree. Now, now the other side, you know, Bowling Green was really bad on offense last year. Uh, some of the advanced stats, right, they were 112th in points per drive. Uh, they they couldn't run, they couldn't pass, but they have an experienced quarterback coming this year, and they have a fourth-year coach on this side of the ball. This is where you should see some improvement, and how much improvement, I think, you know, this is one of those things where if our defense is that improved, uh, we should be able to just shut this thing down because it wasn't good last year. So if it's really improved, like, go keep it at the level it was last year and call it a day. If we see Bowling Green start to move the ball and have some some success and be able to protect uh, their quarterback a bit, then I think that's that's a, can be a worrying sign uh, going forward. Overall, I think our defense is going to start a little slower, but eventually catch on. I'm going to say that we win this game 45-14. to 14. Okay. I think we're all kind of on a similar, similar prediction here. Um, we actually have a third prediction coming in from our friend Isaiah, who wasn't able to record with us today, but did send in some information, um, some of his own research that he wanted to make sure we we talked about. So he, he's basically predicting that we are going to we, we shouldn't be surprised if we have a slower than expected start, which I agree with. I, I, I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if we did. Should we? Probably not. But I, I do think that this is very likely. Um, he also, it wouldn't be surprised if we don't cover the, the 26 and a half point spread. Um, and he's basically basing this off of Leffler, the coach, have, being in his fourth year and having a lot of guys that are actually expected to be first-team all-MAC talents. Um, mostly on defense, you have uh, linebacker Darren Anders, uh, defensive end Carl Brooks, safety Jordan Anderson, um, corner D- uh, Devon Ferguson, uh, and then on offense, you you have a tight end that's expected to be all all pack all all pack twelve no all Mac. <laughs> um, so so he's expecting some some talent to potentially slow things down for us a little bit. Um, ultimately, I think he is predicting that their offense is going to be uh, putrid. Again, they bring in new coordinators. Uh, they have two co coordinators, which are both new. Um, so I think they're going to be figuring some things out. And ultimately, Isaiah is predicting a 34-10-10 and 10 to 10 UCLA victory. Um, I think everything he said is fair, and, and I, I could see totally playing out. But I think the point here is all of us are predicting a fairly comfortable, fairly easy win, which is exactly why we would, should schedule a team like Bowling Green. Yep. I agree. And and again, uh, I think this is going to be just as hard as we want to make it. You know, if we just want to run the ball and establish the run and then use our tight ends on offense, there should be nothing they can do to stop us, uh, despite some of these all-Mac players that they might have. Um, it wasn't a defense that was very good last year. And 
you know, I I, I know Scott Scott Leffler a bit. You know, he's I've obviously had a long career at Michigan. He eventually bounced around after that to a few places. Went to Auburn for a year. Um, you know, his, his offenses have never known had the reputation of being very explosive. Um, his main claim to fame was that you know Michigan had this run where they put you know four or five and a quarterbacks in the NFL in a run. It was greasy and Brady and Chad Henney was kind of one after another and that that was his kind of claim to fame um, but most of the places have been the offenses have never been uh, very explosive and that's why uh, you know if, if our defense if we're not able to to play well in this one um, we got work to do totally agree um, we will see what happens at a very very hot Rose Bowl this weekend um I will not be going, um, unfortunately, or fortunately. I don't know. It's going to be brutal. But, you know, it's, it's, it's an 11.30 a.m. kickoff. On the Pac-12 network. Against the, on the Pac-12 network against a bad team uh, on the weekend where it's supposed to be record high heat. Um, yeah, what, uh, I'm expecting there to be about seven fans in the stands here. Oh yeah. So it'll be But it'll be on the Pac twelve network, so no one will see it. No one will see it. Um yeah, I think I think that's 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 what we have for football this week. Um any any parting words until we move on to the the next topic? Uh you know what, go Bruins. I hope we have a good 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 year. Um, you know, just despite whatever's happening. And if this year turns into success down the road, I'll be all for it. Um even if I have reservations about if that's going to happen or not, but yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, cool. Moving on to basketball, we have finally gotten our first twenty twenty three recruit. I know we've talked about this last week or a couple weeks ago. Actually, we didn't record last week, but a couple weeks ago, how Mick Cronin was having trouble on the recruiting trail, but. That uh, stretch seems to have ended. Uh, Devin Williams, four-star uh, forward from Los Angeles, or from Corona Centennial, actually, plays for Compton Magic in L.A. Uh, as his AAU team, has committed to Mick Cronin uh, in very dramatic, fun fashion, I will say, uh, if you didn't watch his commitment. Uh, how, are you, how are you feeling <laughs> about recruiting after this? So I think there's uh, that. that's the... The big update, obviously, we have our first high school commit, uh, which is Devin Williams. That is great news. Um, if you read about you know the background of the recruitment and everything of how it went down, uh, Devin Williams is someone who plays for a a high school program and an AAU program in the Compton Magic. That is very demanding. That coaches very hard, and therefore he was very suited to um, you know or receptive to Mick Ronan's style. Um, who apparently was very honest with him during the whole recruitment process. And it's great when you go through that cycle and get a commitment from a kid because it means that he's fully bought in. And that's that's the good part about how you know Mick recruits, right? I mean, when you get a kid, there's a very high chance that he's built for this program. And, and that's great news. The other kind of good news that's coming out this week is that apparently we might add a couple more international players for the 2022 season. Uh, 
I think this is just this the, is very good news. Very good news. This is really good roster management, I think, from from Mick. Uh, I don't think, you know, putting so much pressure on one class to get six to eight guys. And yes, we're happy we have one commitment here, but it's one commitment, and we if if we needed six to eight, we have a lot more to go. Um, you know, now we've added Abramo Sanka, and we potentially have one to two more coming on the way. That now reduces the pressure quite a bit here. It means that now we need, you know, four to five guys uh, in, in this class. And that can be through a mix of freshmen and transfers. And I think we're set up pretty well here to where, you know, we can probably, you know, we're, we're probably recruiting, what, five, six more guys here pretty seriously. We've got Isaiah Collier, Brandon Williams, Andre Storjakovic, Storjakovic, and the the combo guard Holland. So Ron Holland, Marco Jackson. Marco Jackson. So we got a few guys that we're recruiting, and you know, if I had to just put a number on, I'd say we get probably two of them. Um, and even if they're not the most highly ranked guys, you know, what's good about the group we're going after? Those are all top hundred players. All all top hundred players, even if they're not the five star guys, right? Like these are athletic, three four year players. We're going to play hard and develop in the in the system and the culture that Mick has. And so that's what I think is making me feel better right now about recruiting. You know, obviously these things change daily. I mean, you know, last time we recorded, it was like doomsday for recruiting. So these things change daily, but, you know, I'm encouraged about the direction that Mick is taking uh, to add internationals and reduce the pressure and then, you know, hopefully we can close on a couple more guys here quickly. It's it's showing Mick's adeptness at adapting to a changing environment, right? You have NIL kind of muddying the waters a little bit with how we can approach some of the high school recruits. Um, you know, transfer portal is open, but, you know, you kind of have to do a waiting game with the transfer portal after season, see who's actually in there, who we want to take. Um, but... Mick recognizing that, you know, that those two factors, coupled with also, you know, the West Coast uh, talent pool this year is really down. So forcing him to go a little broader than he probably wants to here with some national recruits. Um, him, him recognizing these factors and pivoting to kind of plan B, I guess, and understanding that there's another talent pool here that we could be tapping into, which schools like Arizona... Schools like Gonzaga have been doing so for years to great success. Uh, him bringing on Ivo Simovic, him now getting his first international recruit with Sanka, and maybe two more, uh, just shows that he's he's willing to think outside of the box. He's willing to adapt. He's willing to change his approach when needed. And I think that's really encouraging uh, to, to see him do that and to see him kind of tap into other talent pools to fill out this roster. Um, you're right. It is excellent roster management, I think, from his end. And hopefully uh, we can keep keep this pipeline going um, for the foreseeable future. I, I think we talked about this a little bit before, but international recruiting, I think, for UCLA just feels like a natural fit. Uh, UCLA is such an internationally recognized brand already uh, where you have literally merchandise stores that that the school has licensed in Asia, in Europe, in the Middle East, kind of all over the world. Um, and, and to be able to leverage that brand now 
for basketball recruiting uh, is is a smart move, I think, and I think it'll end up paying dividends for us in the future um, when the especially when talent pulls down in the West Coast, uh, as NIL gets gets figured out and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, really, really happy to see this development uh, occur right now. I think it's going to be a, a good, good move for us in the future, or, or in the long term. Uh, I just want to go back to kind of Devin Williams real quick um, and talk about like what what are we actually getting with this guy? Uh, I think I think we're we're getting a lot. He he's he's tall. He's athletic. He's very long. He has a shooting touch from the outside. Uh, he can play kind of that power forward wing hybrid kind of position, uh, and and he plays hard from all reports and from any kind of video or, or highlight you've seen of him. He plays very hard. Um, so I, I again I think to Kevin's earlier point, he's going to be a very very good fit for this program and a good fit for this team and. And projects to be with us for at least two to three years, uh, which is good to see a guy develop and hopefully become a star down the road. Yeah, I think now with for our posts for next year, you know, it looks like Mac should be back. That alongside, you know, Devin Williams, and it looks like we pulled in an international forward, if if you follow the reports. So. That's probably a good start to a front court rotation. Um, assuming Bona's gone. Assuming Bona's gone, I'm I'm very much assuming Bona's gone. Uh, yeah, you've been watching the Rico Hines videos with you know Jaime and Amari Bailey and Dem Bona. All they're all out there playing. Um, you know we shouldn't get too excited about that stuff, but oof, I mean it it looks pretty pretty good. Um, Possibly then another transfer post, I think, comes in uh, to, to fill out and compete for starting minutes just so that we have the right right quality there across the two forward spots. It's Yeah, it'll be interesting to, to play out, but I think you're right. We're in a good position to... Uh, we have like a seed rotation, a seed core uh front court here to where we can build off if we need to. So I, I, I'm I'm very optimistic about how we're going to use uh, Williams. Also, he we can flex him out, right, and use him more as a wing, a big wing if we need to, the way he can play. So there, he's, he's versatile, and we can use him in a variety of ways. I also want to uh, shout out his uh, recruiting announcement uh, I don't know if, if you watched it but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it basically he pulled out so if, if for anybody who wasn't following this recruitment closely it basically came down to us and the other school across town and in a in a very almost convincing fake out uh, Williams pulled out the USC hat and as he's about to put the damn hat on I'm sitting there going oh man are you are you fucking kidding me? Picks it up and chucks it across the room. Pulls out a UCLA hat, puts it on. You know, unzips the sweatshirt. All this family unzips the jackets with UCLA shirts on. Um, and and that was his his announcement. So love him already for that. Um, also, I don't know if you caught this, Kevin. Were you watching it live? I didn't watch it live, but I saw it afterwards. 
so our our good friend Jalen Clark um, was all up in the live comments. Um, he he claims it was his idea that he told him to do that. He claims it was his idea. He was um, he was Devin's host while Devin visited, so he he put in some good words apparently there. Uh, they also they're also Compton Magic. Um, or I guess uh, Jalen's an alum. Uh, Devin is not yet, but you know they're they're linked to that program. Um, my favorite my favorite comment that Jalen had was just he just puts in USC sucks in the comments as he's committing. Um, so love love the camaraderie <laughs> already there. Uh, love the love the feistiness. Um, love love Jalen bringing the heat on and off the court. Um, good, good stuff there. And, and Jalen claims, uh, Stojakovic is next. So we'll see. And we all hope that we can land Stojakovic. We can land Brandon Williams. Um, and we'll see what goes on from that point on. But, so if we can just yeah, get those two stuff. in, if we, if we get those two in, I, I, I feel good about this. Cause again, those are three got athletic guys, long-term guys who, are bought into what Mick is doing, and that kind of sets the the next set of you know foundation players that you have that can stay over you know two, three, four years. And then on top of that, you know you already have the three internationals coming in this year. Hopefully, if it's maybe two or three, let's see. You add in a couple you know transfers on top of that, and I think you got a, a roster that could potentially compete because because the hope with the the guys bring in this year is they're gonna develop and play a little bit probably not a whole lot but they play a little bit this year to where next year there's some continuity there and i think that that probably is a good formula for success absolutely i think we're we're in a good spot here uh with with basketball recruiting how how things change over a, a week um pretty wild so yeah we'll we'll keep an eye out on what's going on there um but until until then, um, football season is upon us, and we will be closely watching what goes on at the Rose Bowl this Saturday, uh, and uh, we're hoping for a very successful campaign this year. Hopefully. Hopefully. We all hope so. All right. Um, with that, we're going to sign off, and go Bruins. Go Bruins. Go Bruins.